0: Let's let's give it up for all of our moms this morning. Can we do that? Amen. So thankful for every mom who's here today. Listen, before I hop into the message today, I just want to take just uh, just a moment and I want to uh, pray over just kind of a special group that may be here this morning. I want to pray over every lady here that has prayed for a child and not yet received one. And so uh, sometimes on, on Mother's Day, it's, it's a challenging day for that particular group, you know, who's just uh, waiting on God's timing for them. And uh, for some you know they look at 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 their life and they think you know it's going to be a miracle for me to have this child and so um we just know that that's that's very important and we just want to join you in prayer there's also um there may be some of you who have lost a a child and we want to pray over you as well um, we're very candid about this, but um, uh, Robbie and I lost our first child. And I remember on that first Mother's Day, uh, we, we were kind of lost. Uh, the church we were uh, attending um, Gave a gift to every mom, and so Robbie was like, You know, do I go get one? Do I not? Um, What do I do here? It was just a really awkward moment for us, and so um, we just want you to know that yes, you are certainly a a mother, and um, whether you've got a kid with you or in heaven, you're certainly have the heart of a a mom, and so we want to honor you today, too. And then there may be some of you um, who have lost a mom, and so. Um, it's kind of, a, kind of a tough day when you get up on Mother's Day and you want to call, call your mom and say something to her, hear her voice or remind her how much she's loved and she's no longer with you physically. And so um, we just want to pray, just take, just take a moment, just a solemn moment and uh, honor all of those who may be going through that experience today before we hop in. So let's do that together. Father, we love you today. Thank you so much uh, for a day to just honor and celebrate motherhood. We know this is a gift from you. And Lord, today we just pray in this house today, Father, for every lady who has prayed for a child. And God, we know that you are sovereign. We trust you completely. And we know that you have plans and dreams for every one of your children. And God, we just want to echo every prayer prayed by the heart of a mom in this place who desires to have a child. And we just pray that you would give them a child or children according to their heart's desire. And Lord, there are many moms in our church who have lost children, many who have lost them over the past year. So it's a very tough day for some of them. And So, Lord, I just pray in their grieving process that they celebrate their motherhood today and know that they've got a sweet one in, in heaven and uh, God we just thank you for the grace on every process of grief that's here today and God for those who have lost a mom Lord who wanted to get up today and just hear her voice and and hold her hand through this service and God she too is with you and in in your presence and so God we just we honor every mother who's no longer with us physically but is with you spiritually and uh, so thank you for all of these brave women who uh, take on the challenge of this day and all the thoughts that come with it. God, the, the great thoughts, the sad thoughts, the grieving thoughts, all of it. And uh, we give you big praise for that, Father. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you so much again for being with us on Mother's Day, for bringing your mom. If you're a guest here today, we honor you. Thank you for being here. We know that you could be anywhere at uh, any church, and your kids could have uh, come to church with you, but last week I begged them to bring you here, so uh, we're, we're glad to have you. Uh, I want to take just a quick survey uh, this morning, and I want you to raise your hand, moms. If you attended two or more events for your kids this week, raise your raise your hand. Okay, yeah, several of you in into your stuff coming up. If you've already changed a diaper since you got to church today, raise your hand. Yeah, a few, great job. Um, if you were served breakfast in bed but you had to clean it up today, right, raise your hand. <laughs> if you've already heard the word mommy uh, uh, at least 20 times today, raise your hand. Yeah, several. If you have animal crackers or a similar snack in your purse, raise your hand. Okay, great job. Y'all are awesome. Um, If you have grandchildren with you today, raise your hand. Okay, good. Thank you. Um, If you have grown children with you today, raise your hand. Great job. And if you're expecting a baby and it's obvious, raise your hand. Anybody here? Okay. If you just found out you were pregnant recently, raise your hand. Okay, one dad just found out, like right right now, that they were having a baby. (laughs) Listen, uh, being a mom is not easy. If it were, it wouldn't start out with something called labor. And um, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's something very peculiar about Southern culture. It's like uh, when a lady gets beyond uh, the seven months and she's got just about eight weeks left, um, it seems like there's something in Southern culture that permits any stranger uh, to touch her. And uh it's 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 kind of weird. Um so what we're doing for every expectant mom here today, we have a t-shirt for you in the foyer on your way out. Get it on the on the midriff. It it just says stay away creeper uh, on it. And so um you can have uh, a couple of those to take with you on your way out. Um, I've thought a whole lot about one of our church members this past year and uh, I've quoted this many times uh, from this stage over the past year because it just stuck with me I think sometimes you know as as males it's very difficult uh, to to really understand the mother's heart even if you experienced it. Um, from a mother to you. And so, but I think this mom who attends our church, she epitomized uh, the heart of a mother and she made this comment. She said, It doesn't matter if you get to be with your child for two weeks or 50 years, it's never enough time. And so I think that just represented really well um, how moms feel. They just never get over being a mother. And so whether you get two weeks with your child or you get 50 years, it's like the time never matters. You just, you can't have them in enough, enough time. And so I have a few moms that I'd like to discuss today in Scripture and uh, just pull some thoughts together from the lives that they lived and, uh, and, and really just pull just a, a few nuggets. This is a very uh, nuts and bolts kind of message from Mother's Day, but I want to talk about three moms in particular, and, and hopefully we can encourage you moms somewhere in the process of this. The first mom I want to talk about this morning has a strange name. Her name is Jacobed. And um, I'm thankful I'm not married to a lady named Jacobed, and I'm thankful that my mom's name is not Jacobed. But uh, Jacobed's mom, or Jacobed was Moses' mother, and the thing that I want to pull out from her life is this, and that's to see your child with divine lenses. Okay? And so if you look at, at this story, and I just want to quickly give it to you in Exodus chapter 2, the context here is that all, there's been a, a decree come out that all the Hebrew boys were to, uh, to be killed. And so Jochebed uh, went in, into action, and we're going to read that for just briefly. It says, A man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. And uh, keep in mind that the tribe of Levi were all priests, okay? And so she became pregnant, gave, a birth to, gave birth to a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, um, that also can translate as, as healthy, okay? When she discovered that he was going to make it, uh, she hid him for three months, and when she could hide him no longer, she got a basket for him, coated it with tar and pitch, placed the child in it, and put it among the reeds in the bank of the Nile, In verse 4, it starts to unveil her strategy, and it says, His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him, and Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank, and she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave to get it. And she opened it and saw the baby, and he was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. And you know how it goes on. He was he was raised in the house of Pharaoh and uh, ended up doing some amazing things. And so if you revisit this story, basically Jacobet is thrown into fear early. And um, there's no doubt in my mind, knowing that all of the Hebrew boys were going to be killed, that maybe she even prayed, Lord, let this be a girl. Uh, don't let this be a, a boy that I'm going to have to watch die or I'm going to have to watch terrible things happen to and Jochebed goes in, in, into action. She takes her motherly intuition and instinct, and she begins to let it take over. And with great preparation and with great care, she weaves this basket together, applies tar and pitch, and puts him in it, and takes him to the most dangerous river in, in Egypt and lets him go. Um, hoping that he finds his way to the a- attendance of Pharaoh's family, that he could somehow be spared. And with great patience, they raise him as one of their their own. And had it not been for Jochebed's ability to look through divine lenses, I, wa- I want you to think about what it would have been to erase the life of Moses everything that we know about him and his priestly line and how all of that unfolded in in his life that he was going to set free the children of Israel who were oppressed for 400 years. But there was something in her as a mom. She was able to look at him and say, He's worth living for. There's something about my child that I'm going to go into action, and if it ends up killing me from hiding him, I'm still going to let this transpire. And so I want to challenge all of our moms here this morning, first of all, that we need to be able to see our children through divine lenses, meaning see them as God sees them, to look at our children in a very special way and know that God has a distinct plan for them, that while they were in the womb, God knew them, and he, and he had something planned and prepared for them. Knowing that you see your child through divine lenses gives you the ability to make it through some really, really tough times. I, I re- remember growing up, and I lost my mom a couple of years ago to cancer, and I remember uh, growing up and, and, and receiving love and affection from her and also discipline. My mother was a disciplinarian. Her favorite words were, wait till your daddy gets home. And um, if she couldn't wait, her weapon of choice was a fly swatter. And um, sometimes she she hung it in our our laundry room. And uh, so sometimes I would go in there and I would hide it. And uh, I would take it off. She had a little nail in there, and she would have it tapped, and I would pick it up, and I would drop it behind the dryer so she couldn't find it. And lo and behold, it wasn't long. There would be a new one in there. And uh, sometimes uh, she would get a hold of me really good, and she could make that floss water look like origami when it was done. Uh, She would tear me up so, so, so bad. But there was a time in my life where she began to speak into the things that she saw happening in me, and she would challenge uh, attitude in me, she would she would challenge me, especially in my teenage years, my, my ways of thinking, and because she saw early on something in me that she believed that God was going to do in my life, and I think that intuitively, Our moms have this. It's the ability for you to look at your child and love them regardless of how anybody else perceives them or sees them or experiences them or what their behavior is or how they're reacting during those teenage years. You know something in your spirit because you've seen it with divine lenses. And so it's very, very important. I don't know if you've ever been around kids who make you thankful they aren't yours uh but there are those times uh you know most of the time I hear these stories that happens at Walmart you know or Target or some other place where there's a lot of people and you go um it always cracks me up you see people who aren't parent shit and they go when I'm a parent my child is never going to act this way yes they are okay they're going to embarrass you my my own child has embarrassed me many times in public and when she does that I call her legion um Okay, there's only two Bible scholars in the whole building. Uh, you can be in a store and a kid will be throwing a fit and it, it never fails. Somebody will come by and say, oh look at look at that baby or look, look at that person you know all that energy they're gonna take that and they're going to change the world and that poor mama is thinking they're already changing the world, my world and it's just it's just very tough sometimes to make it through all of those seasons. However, like Jacobed, Seeing with divine lenses allows you to stay on the trajectory of success with your child and loving them and keep pouring into them because you've seen something in your spirit that is not yet reality. And that's that's the gift that you have as a parent, as a mom, is because you know something is going on. You've seen it. You understand it. It's like God gave you just, just a vision of what that child could become. And so um, it's, it's, it's a great thing for us to be able to see in the, in the spirit realm about our children. The second mom I want to talk about, her name is Hannah. Hannah is a very sweet, spirited lady. She's introduced to us in Scripture as someone who is brokenhearted. And she is discouraged. The truth that I want to bring out on her is that you can believe your way out of discouragement. Hannah was this lady who uh, is found in 1 Samuel, and we find her discouraged because she cannot have children. And you have to keep in mind that in this particular day and time, children were, were a status thing. Children proved that you had favor from God. Uh, Many times it was customary for them to think something was wrong with you spiritually if you could not bear bear children, like like God was upset with you would be an example. And so Hannah's very upset. She's under pressure. She wants a child. Her heart wants a child beyond uh, social reasons. And so she's prayed to God. And there hasn't been an an answer yet. And so let me pause for just a minute. These types of circumstances where we've prayed and prayed and prayed and we haven't received, let me give you some encouragement. Because this is not about whether or not you believe God or trust God or that you think God is real. It's It's about you trusting the timing of God versus your own, that you you say, well, I, I want this right now. I want a child right now, or this is a great season for us to have a child right now. And so you say, God, if, if, if I were you, I would, I would make this happen right now. And you pray earnestly for it, and it just hasn't happened. And a lot of times with any unanswered prayer, some, some discouragement settles in. And big question marks begin to arise and hang out over us. And we come to church and we worship and we do all the things that we feel like we need to do to, to maintain a great relationship with God. But there's this looming thing of why? Why isn't this working out? This is where Hannah was. And so in 1 Samuel, we find this Jewish celebration going. And as the whole city is erupted in celebration, she's not celebrating at all. And she makes her way into the a temple And begins to pray. But there's something that very unique happens. We don't know with clarity what it was. But we do know that she was so distraught. Or she was so worked up. Or she was so aggressive in her prayer. That when Eli comes out and sees her, he thinks she's intoxicated. I don't know if she was just in agony and praying and begging. Maybe she was on the floor. I don't know. But Eli perceived and said, she's intoxicated. And so I, I want to read from 1 Samuel 11, and I want you to just hear this in, in her. It says, Hannah prayed and said, this is First Samuel 1, verse 11. Hannah prayed and said, if you let me have a child, I will give that child to you, Lord. All of his days I will teach him your ways. I am not drunk. I have been pouring my soul out to the Lord. So Hannah, with great urgency and fervency, is praying to God for a child. She wants one so desperately. And so God gives her one, and typically we use 1 Samuel when we talk about dedicating children because we uh, are introduced to this thing about going, God, you've blessed me, now I'm going to give his life to you. It's an amazing act of of love. And a lot of theologians believe that that Hannah was very separated from him. She would bring him clothing as he grew, but he literally grew up in the tabernacle. So Eli raised him. And we know going in that he's, uh, he has a special gift on his life. And it's been several, several hundreds of years since the Lord has spoken to anybody, so much so that Eli doesn't even recognize it anymore. And Samuel is, is asleep on, on the floor. And the Bible says that he's called out to Samuel, Samuel. And what that means is that it was said with great intensity. It does not mean that his name was called twice in this language, there was no exclamation point. So when they wanted to intensify something, they would say it twice. So Samuel, Samuel, Moses, Moses, fire, fire. It meant intensity. And so when we read Samuel, Samuel, it means he was reaching out with passion to him. Samuel, he was calling him. So Samuel gets up and he runs into Eli and he says, you called me, what's going on? Eli says, I didn't call you. Go and lay back down and he goes and lays back down. and You guys know the whole story. He calls again, Samuel. He gets up and he runs to Eli. He runs in there the third time, and Eli, Eli perceives what's going on. He says, listen, if, if you hear the voice again, say, speak, Lord, because your servant is listening. Samuel went on to do some amazing things, but Hannah knew it. She knew something was special about him, and strong women and strong moms are able to believe God in the middle of their discouragement. There was something about Hannah that you can glean from as a woman to know that in times when it does not make sense, And at times when you are discouraged, and a time when you want your prayer to be an instant reality, in a time where you think your timing is perfect, to just trust God and let that same heart that Hannah had to go and to cry out to him and say, Lord, I trust you. And if you do this, I'll serve you for it. It's a great, great story. The third woman, and I want to spend most of my time here. She's my favorite, one of my favorites in, in, in Scripture, because I see a, a, a lot of ladies fit, fit this mold. I just feel like she's very applicable. and that's Sarah. And what I want to bring out about Sarah is this: that faith grows through the journey. Faith grows through the, the journey. Sarah, unlike Jacobed, is mentioned more than any other woman in Scripture. Her name is repeated over and over and over again. Hebrews chapter 11 is often referred to as the hall of faith because it tells the story about by faith so-and-so did this and by faith so-and-so did that. And Sarah is, is a woman mentioned in that in verse 11. I want to read that to you this morning. This is what he says. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed She bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, I'm sure Abraham appreciates that, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Well, something about him, this line jumps out at me. This says, she judged him faithful who had promised. This is not always the way that she was. So this story of faith for Sarah unfolds, meaning this. At first, Sarah's heart was really more full of fear. And if you go back and you read the back story here, basically Abraham is outside in a, in a God shows up and begins to speak into his life. He says, Listen, um, God's going to do some amazing things for your family. He begins to tell him about this nation that he's going to form out of them. And they're both past childbearing age, they're old. Abraham is thinking, You know, uh, th- this just isn't going to happen. And I love this story because it brings out so much truth about how you and I think in our our humanity. That even though God promised, there's still a lot of doubt there. It seems like God can tell us some things and we just we just don't get it because our mind doesn't want to believe that it's even possible. So when he begins to say, hey, listen, this is going to happen. I'm going to give you a a son. Sarah is actually inside the tent door listening. And the Bible says when she hears it, she laughs within herself. She's thinking, there's no way that this is going to happen. Let me tell you how how this plays out for a lot of us in in life. Is, Lord, you missed your opportunity to bless me. Had, had, Had you done this 20 years ago? 30 years ago, maybe. But today, no. That's really what Abraham and Sarah were saying. You missed it. God, you could have done this years earlier. Everything would have been fine. We, we would have believed them. But, Lord, look at where we are in life. Look at, look at our circumstance. Look what's happened around us. There's no way that what you said can come true. And I think this speaks volumes to all of us today, but I'm speaking to moms, so let, let this be in, in, in your heart today. It's very uh, probable that sometimes we see our situation and who we are and where we are in life and what season we're in. And just like Abraham and Sarah say, you missed your opportunity, God. I prayed for this decades ago, and, no, and no, no, nothing happened, but right now, I, th- I think you, just, you you just missed it. Okay, there's one thing I really love about Sarah, and that is that she called her husband Lord. I've asked Robbie to call me Lord many times, many, many times. We've gone to counseling over it. She will not comply, um, not even once. But Sarah has a different spirit within her, okay? So she goes from laughing and saying there's no way. Okay, now watch, watch what happens. When she does this, God heard it. And he says to Abraham, Why did she laugh when I promised you this? And then he asks this great question Is anything too hard for God? Rhetorical, yes, but challenging still. Is anything too hard for God? What he wanted Sarah to do was answer from a position of faith and not fear. When we're in a state of fear, we quickly answer based upon feeling and not based upon faith. We quickly answer what what we calculate in our own intelligence, and faith goes right out the the door. He's asking, is anything too hard for me to do in your life? And I want to confront us today with that question. Is anything too hard for God? So if you're here today and your prayer has not not been heard, let me remind you, there is still nothing too hard for God. Kevin, you don't understand my, my child. You don't understand the season I'm in. You don't understand the dynamics of our family. You don't understand my home. You don't understand our financial pressures. You don't understand the loss. You don't understand the grief. You don't understand our history. You don't understand all the pile of insecurity we carry around. Is anything too hard for God. Something as as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, you must confront yourself with and come up with an answer based upon fear or faith. Over time, Sarah obviously grows. She grows in her faith. And I love, this story goes on for chapters and chapters and chapters. But Abraham has a son named Ishmael with Sarah's maid Named Hagar. And there's one point that Ishmael is making fun of Isaac, and and A, a Sarah goes into Abraham and she said, I'm gonna tell you something. Your other son, the other one who's not in God's plan, has been making fun of Isaac. And I'm telling you what, he's going she's she's gotta go and him him with her. And he's like, Now calm down. Okay, get a hold of, of yourself. And God steps in and says, You better listen to your wife. And, Abra- and, and Sarah says, this is not, not going to happen. Not, there's not going to be anything to deter us from this plan of, of, of God in our, our lives. And she kind of puts her foot down and says, this is what I see in my spirit, and this is what's ha-. Her faith is growing, and she believes that what God has done in her and through her is truly going to be fulfilled, just like the Scripture. She considered him faithful, the one who had promised He's going to do what he said he would do. And if some of you moms have caught just an inkling of what God is going to do in your life through you, through your family, through your influence, through your through your motherhood. If you can just grab a hold of that and white knuckle it and consider him faithful, the one who has promised. Over time it's like the Layers of fear around Sarah's life began to fall to to the floor, and her faith rose to such a magnificent place that she saw this promise through. It's amazing to see what God did in in her. In Genesis chapter twenty three, Sarah dies in the land of the the Hittites, and it's very customary in this day and time. You didn't transport a body; you just you you buried it. And he honored it right there where that person died. And so the Hittites had tombs. And if you read, read the story, Abraham goes to pay for a tomb. But it was also customary in that, that day and time that once uh, an, an amount of time had gone by, uh, people would go in and clean the bones out of those tombs so that new bodies could be placed in. And Abraham said, you know what? I want to pay a hefty price that that's the end of this tomb. I want to put her body there. I want it to be honored and respected. I do not want her remains to be bothered. I want her to be honored always. He loved her, and he saw her become the woman and the mom that God had purposed for her. So today, in my closing, I just want to address a few things, and that's this. Maybe you are here today, and just the way we started our service Mother's Day is not your favorite for whatever reason. Discouragement, heartbreak, disappointment. It's kind of like one of those days for you to just kind of bite your lip and endure it and get, get through it. But you can be like, like Hannah today. And you can still believe God amidst your discouragement. Maybe you're here today and you're a mom who's in that phase where you're about to empty nest. Are you just empty nest? And now what used to be a very busy home for you, go, 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 lots of noise, lots of laughter, lots of pitter patter of feet, is quiet and still. And it bothers you. It bothers you about the season. Maybe you're here today and you're a mom and you have wayward children. They're not following Christ. They're not living their lives for Jesus. And it bothers you. And you're concerned and you're troubled by it. Maybe you're here today and you're a single mom, and you've asked God, how long can I continue to spend all these plates by myself? How long can I do that? You might be here today and you're a mom in a blended family and it's just not working well yet. You've got kids that aren't yours under your care, and you have kids that are not his. His. That are under his care. And right now, things are not gelling well. You're troubled. The dynamic is troubling. And so, Mother's Day for you is a mixed emotion. I want to remind you of Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. These are the words of Jesus. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. One, 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 one version says, All of you who are tired and exhausted and I will give you rest I think as a mom those sometimes are great descriptive words tired exhausted you want to be full of joy but it's like some days you just can't get it pumped up And you're tired and you're exhausted I just want to remind you that Jesus very simply is saying come to me just come to me And listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be funny here. There's a, there's a great place for massages and manis and petties and feel good stuff. But there's also a very great place for come to me and I'll give you rest. There's, there's something that's really great about finding a place physically in the world that speaks to you, it's a quiet place. Maybe you have a book, a magazine a candle go in a place of meditation. Maybe it's early morning yoga, whatever it is. But there's a great place for come to me. And it come to me has to supersede all the others. Because nothing can speak to your soul like the one who made you. And I want to remind you, moms, he designed you, he knows you well. He knows you better than you know you. Your personality is from him. Your passions are from him. The way you are hardwired is from God. He knows you. He's just saying, come to me. Come to me. Let me give you rest. All right? I want you to bow your heads with me real, real quick this morning.